Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a native of Freeport, Long Island, right up the road, who is a Boston College sophomore, became the team's closer. He started his junior year as a closer, but moved into the starting rotation during the season, where he recorded a stellar 2.06 ERA, a 4-2 record in his junior season. He was drafted by the New York Mets in the first round of the 2016 Major League Baseball draft, began his climb up the Mets organizational ladder. He has played for the Cyclones, the Port St. Lucie Mets, and the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. MajorLeagueBaseball.com ranked him as the New York Mets' third best prospect going into the 2018 season. It's a pleasure to welcome a name Met fans will be hearing a lot about in the not-too-distant future, Justin Dunn to WLIA Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Justin. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's our pleasure. So we mentioned you're a native of Freeport, Long Island, but you spent a good part of your youth in Connecticut, and the reason is that you got noticed playing at a showcase with the Boys Club of New York by the baseball coach of the Gunnery Private School. And he wasn't just any coach. It's Jeff Trundy who began his baseball career at the University of New Hampshire, where he was the team captain and a star player, went on to be a Maine Public Schools Coach of the Year award winner three times. He was a scout for the Toronto Blue Jays. He also has coached baseball at the Gunnery for 21 years, as well as 20 seasons in the Cape Cod League. So what's your family's reaction when a coach like Jeff Trundy reaches out to you at such an early age saying, this kid's got talent? Um, well, if you know my dad, he's, he's a little bit of a baseball nut. So to him, it was, uh, it was a great opportunity and all he cared about was me getting better. So when, when he heard that this coach wanted to take me under his wing and, and, and help me get to my ultimate goal, he was ecstatic and there was really no, no turning back after that. I have to imagine, even with that, at age 13, leaving your friends behind to go to a boarding school has to be a lot to handle at a young age. What do you remember early on about that experience? Uh, I was very nervous. I remember the nights leading up to it, I would lay in bed and, and kind of try to picture what my life was going to be about and what my life was going to be like. And I came to the realization I was going to just try to think of it as a long sleepaway camp with uh, a couple of my friends where I just ended up going to class with them afterwards. Um, it worked for a couple of weeks, and then I got homesick. And, but once I started making some friends and, and got, put myself out there, it was one of the best experiences of my life, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Do you ever have any regrets? Your father had a number of different reasons for not having you go to high school in Freeport. And one story said that because he went to a high school football game and saw the police gang unit there. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have any regrets that you didn't stay around and play for your hometown high school? Um, I mean, one of the, the only regrets that I, I won't even say it's a regret because everything worked out for the best is just the simple fact that I, I, when I go home, I don't really have the closest of a friend group to go hang out with. Um, where all my friends are from Connecticut, Boston, Florida. Um, I mean, I have one or two very close friends in New York, um, but growing up for a while, I didn't even, they weren't really around either. They were at prep school. They were in, um, they were in college. So um, looking back on it, that was really the biggest thing was I, I kind of lost that, but it worked out in the long run. 
What's the most valuable thing you learned at the gunnery where you were the co-captain as a senior, you're in Western New England Prep School League, first-team All-Star in Rawlings Perfect Game, preseason first-team All-Region Honors as a senior. You hit 413 there, 20 RBIs and a 4-2 and record with a 2.2 ERA and 74 strikeouts over 40 innings. What's the most important thing you learned from a baseball standpoint from Coach Trundy and the most important thing you learned about yourself? Um... The baseball wise, I learned two things. Um, first of all, it's he preached for me uh, to be an athlete. That's when I'm my best when when I don't think and I just let my game go play. Um, that that was first and foremost. And then he taught me how to play the game the right way, and that's one of the things I I try to take pride in. And and that he used to preach: respect the game, respect your teammates, and get better every day. And that's one of the models I still live by every day, where I'm trying to learn as much as I can day in and day out because. The moment you think you stop learning and trying to get better is when you level out and, and people pass you. So that that's the biggest thing on the field. And then off the field, that um, I'm a very independent person. I, I had a feeling about that when I was young, um, but after being at school and and um, and going through some of the struggles I went through my freshman year, my and a little bit my sophomore year, I realized that that I'm a pretty strong, independent person, and and um, I don't really need too much. Um, outside help, and, and I can get through some things on my own. You mentioned how you have this dream of making it to the major leagues, and you've had that for quite a while. You're drafted out of the gunnery by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 37th round of the 2013 Major League Baseball draft. Granted, it's a 37th round, but you didn't sign with them. And instead, you attended Boston College to play college baseball. What went into the decision? You know, you, you never know. You could go into right. college and get injured. You know, here's your chance at your dream. Why go the college route at that point? And then the next question is, why Boston College over the co- other colleges that were pursuing you? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, so it kind of answers both questions at the same time, actually. The answer works out to both. Um, I was actually talking about this with someone else today. So in high school, I was 5'9", five, 5'10", five, five, 140 pounds soaking wet two-way baseball player, infielder, pitcher. Um, so in the recruiting process, um, not too many schools wanted to take a chance on that. Um, and Coach Gambino at Boston College and Coach Friedholm and, and all those guys, they saw the potential right away. And, um, and I really appreciate that. I, I was doubted a lot coming up and people saying I wasn't good enough. So um, when someone believes in me, I tend to, to follow them wholeheartedly. So that was big for me, and then I stepped foot on that campus um, and just fell in love. It's, it's a great ACC school, great academic school, and I had the chance to play right away as a freshman. So um, all that was hard for me to, to pass up. As and we then, okay, sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, and in regards to the draft, I, I completely forgot there was a second question. In regards to the draft, um, I, was, I just wasn't physically or mentally strong enough to handle um, what – job this is because at the end of the day it's a job (laughs) we mentioned in the open about that breakout year in 2016 as a junior where you helped the eagles to their first acc baseball championship appearance in six years we kind of know a guy who was on that other team right the 2010 team a pitcher right here from long island (laughs) as well um with your first career complete game at number 22 georgia tech allowing just six hits three runs two earned without walking a bat and recorded a career high nine strikeouts you know, lots of athletes point to particular games where they realize, you know, I belong. How important was that game for your confidence? And more importantly, um, did that give you the springboard that said, 
yeah, I, I think I uh, the major leagues is a legit you know shot for me. Um, I mean, I always thought the big leagues was a shot for me since I was six years old. I told my mom I wasn't going to go to college and I was going to play major league baseball. Um, so that game was more of um, just kind of a I have arrived moment for me where I where I finally started to get the recognition um, that I thought I deserved. Um, but I won't say it was necessarily a springboard. It was the validation for me more than anything um, across the country. You know, it's interesting because you, you go back and you look at some of the Baseball America rankings and mock drafts from 2016. A lot of them had you going as high as 10. Most of them had you at 11 to the Mariners. But luckily for the Mets, you're still on the board at 19. So I have to imagine that's a little bittersweet to drop down after looking. I, I don't know if you even followed the rankings, but if you had, I have to imagine that's somewhat bittersweet, you know, dropping, but then dropping to a team that basically was 30 minutes from where you grew up. Take us back to draft day and what your most vivid memory of that day was. Um, yeah, so that was a crazy day. I remember, remember being mic'd up by uh, the Boston College media, um, and it was actually kind of annoying because the guy was following me around everywhere. I went. There was a couple times I was just going to the bathroom, but they wanted to be there for the phone call. I was like, listen, I'm just going to the bathroom. If I get the call, I will, I will wait to answer it until I come out. Um, but I remember looking up on the board and going into it, thought we were going to go at 11 um, because, like you said, that's where all the mock drafts have gone. And then uh, once 11 kind of passed, I was hoping to go then in the next couple picks. You know, me just thinking the way the draft worked was, all right, I'm next up. And uh, watching pick by pick go by and seeing that uh, my name hadn't gotten called, it was, it was getting a little stressful. All my friends were looking at me. Um, but... We got down to 18 and 19, and it was uh, the Yankees and the Mets. And so I was like, all right, if I go here, it's a win-win. I'm, I'm playing at home no matter what. Um, it was right after the Mets had made that, that unreal postseason run and their pitching staff was starting to emerge. And you can see um, what they do to develop pitching. So that was a huge plus. And the other thing was they're 30 minutes away from my house, like you said. Or it was the Yankees who was the other New York team and um, one of the teams that I grew up watching as a kid um, because my favorite player, Derek Jeter, was on the team. So when 18 passed and the Yankees passed, um, I was like, okay, worst-case worst scenario is I go to the Dodgers and I just go back to the Dodgers, but ideally I'd, I'd like to stay in New York if possible. And I thought it was a long shot because I hadn't talked to the Mets at all in the whole draft process. Um, so when the pick came and I heard my name, there's actually a video floating around. You kind of see me jump up and in pure joy. That was because I, it was raw emotion. I had no idea that I was even on their board. I didn't think they liked me. Um, so to hear my name called, it was a pretty surreal moment. We're talking with New York Mets top pitching prospect Justin Dunn. You start out at the New York Penn League with the Cyclones, then on to Port St. Lucie, then to the Rumble Ponies. At which level did you see the biggest differences from pitching in the ACC, and what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to have success? Uh, probably the Florida State League. That was my first year there is when guys start to have approaches and they understand what they want to do with the plate. And what was the biggest adjustment that you had to make to, to that approach? Um... The biggest adjustment for me would probably have been just getting ahead. I, I fall, fall behind a lot in the count, and when I get ahead, I, I have some, 
some pretty good stuff when it's on. Um, so if I can get ahead in the count and, and let my stuff play, I have some pretty good success. But my first year in the Florida State League, I was uh, I got away from who I was and, and being an athlete like Coach Trundy preaches and tried to be robotic and, and be a pitcher. And I was my delivery got all out of sync. My arm slot was out of whack, and I was falling behind. And when I would come it over the plate and disadvantage counts for me and advantage counts for hitters when you got guys that have an approach and understand what they want to do they don't they don't miss too often you know it's interesting too because you mentioned that when you were looking at the teams the yankees and the mets you had mentioned just now that you saw what the mets were doing in developing their pitching staff and a guy who really has a big hand and has moved on from the organization this uh offseason that's frank viola um, he's been instrumental in helping a lot of these young pitchers move up to the majors. How important was working with Frank for your development? That was huge for me. Um, coming into this year, I was, I was just hoping to get a chance to work with Frank um, because of, like you said, everything he's done for the staff that we have up there right now. And, I mean, it's not just Frank, um, but everyone talks about how good Frank is, all the guys that I had, had coming up that enjoyed playing for Frank. So I was excited to potentially – have that opportunity and then get a chance to work with him in spring training. It was awesome. Um, so this season when I got up there, he, he kind of cleaned up a lot of stuff and, and uh, he made things simple, which I really liked. Um, nothing was too, too advanced or too long-winded. It was straight to the point. This is what I see, and now let's figure out how to fix it. Well, you also learned a pitch from one of the masters at it, a changer from John Franco. So what did he teach you about throwing a change and how that affect your whole repertoire of pitching? Oh, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty cool day, having Frank and, and John both back there. <laughs> um, but I usually throw a two-seam changeup. It's pretty hard, and it, it doesn't have a lot of depth. So uh, Mr. Franco just took my thumb and kind of put it underneath the ball and showed me how he held it. And it felt really comfortable really quickly. Um, actually kind of scary how quick I picked it up and I took it out into my next outing and had some success um, and it came, became a pretty big pitch for me. You know, it's also interesting when you look at different organizations and the way they elevate players. Um, a lot of it has to do in the business aspect also, you know, try to keep their rights for a little longer. But this past season, you know, a lot of your Rumble Pony pitching teammates have seen time at the major league level. Um, two of them got a lot of playing time this year, and Drew Smith and Daniel Zamora. Tyler Bachelor and, and uh, Gerson Batista also have gotten time as well. How much does that motivate you when you see that you know guys from your team are getting the call and are, are now pitching at the major league level, and, and they're you know, your, your teammates, you're right there with them. When they get the call, how motivating is that for you? I mean, you don't even need to be motivated for that. It's more pure excitement. Um, when when Zamora got the call, I was ecstatic. Nobody deserved it more than that kid. Um, Nito, the same thing. Um, Bash, I was with him for his call. So it, it, I would say there's a silent motivation because you, you think about the day when you get yours and what it's going to feel like. Um, but in that moment, you're just so excited to see those guys go up and, and live out their, their childhood dreams. There's one guy I mentioned in that group that I love watching pitch. I mean, his stuff is electric. He still has to learn control, and that for me is Batista. Which is the guys that you know in the pitching staff did you enjoy just sitting in the dugout and watching work? Daniel Zamora is uh, he's something special. 
Um, his slider is, is one of the craziest pitches I've ever seen. So the fact that he can go out there with one pitch, I mean, we joke about it all the time that when Nito would go catch him, he didn't have to worry about any other fingers. It didn't have to use any other signs. It was just one, one slider, you know, that's what they were going to get. And he got people out somehow. Yeah, it's still doing it at the major league level, too. So, yep. Yep. Uh, a couple of other notable teammates are down there in the Mets system that you've played with. One is Peter Alonzo, and you know, I came back from spring training, and I, did not, I didn't see him, all right? Before I saw him, I knew that the Mets had something special because I was uh, on one of the other fields, and I heard a sound like I have ne- never heard of a ball coming yeah, off a bat. Yeah, like a gunshot. Yeah, yeah, and I walked over and watched it, and it was just amazing. And the other guy is Jeff McNeil. McNeil is a uh, Met fan, super excited <laughs> yeah. to see how he can follow up on his rookie season. You've seen both of them close up. What can you tell Met fans you know, about the future about those two players? Uh, Pete's one of the best pure hitters I've ever played with, seen, um, been, been on a field with. Um, and McNeil, I mean, he did it at the big league level. I don't know really what else you want me to say. The kid hit 300 in the show. Um, he, he, he's going to be something special. So, um, I mean, they both will be. It's just a matter of time until it, it's going to be crazy when it clicks for both of them up at that level. Of course, they're going to have their struggles, but just ride it out because they both can hit. It's kind of scary. You know, you mentioned you're also an athlete, and we mentioned your college stats. You you ever try McNeil's bat without the knob? And what's that like? No, I don't swing <laughs> McNeil's bat. I swing Nito's uh, Chandler. <laughs> All right. Uh, another guy um, whose season might have ended with a September call-up, if not for an injury, one that got a lot of attention, both negative and positive, is Tim Tebow. Did having Tebow on your team have any impact on you personally at all? And if so, how? No, this is uh, this is my second year playing with Tim. Um, Tim's. I look at Tim as as just another teammate. You know, I, I try not to look at Tim as the Heisman winner or the big celebrity. Tim is Tim is just Tim. Um, and so playing with him, it, it's cool to see what it's like to be a true professional because that's what he is at the end of the day, and he's a professional at the highest level. And so he can teach a lot of things about how to carry yourself on and off the field um, that are invaluable because a lot of people don't have that experience. But just to hear his, his life stories and, and see how genuine of a person he is, is is amazing. So you didn't get a September call-up to the team, but you did get called to City Field on September 11th to pitch a simulated mm-hmm. game with, for David Wright. What was that like? It was pretty surreal to, to face David. I mean, growing up, you hear, you, you hear David Wright, and uh, you think the captain. So... Um, to be able to face the captain on on his field uh, with the potential for him to be coming back and and help him get ready for what I didn't know at the time was going to be his last game was was amazing. And and to be able to shake his hand after and him to tell tell me he had uh, had some decent stuff was, was pretty cool. Interestingly enough, the Mets AAA affiliate is no longer in Vegas. It's, it's a lot closer to New York. It is in New York, in Syracuse. Um, have you played out in your mind? You mentioned that you were with Bash when he got the call. Have you played out in your mind what that moment's going to feel like when either the manager calls you into the office and says, you know, pack your stuff and, you know, head to City Field? Um, probably chill. Probably going to be a very chilling moment. Um, definitely going to be some tears in there. And going to definitely just try to call my parents as soon as possible and be able to share the news with them. The flip side of that is, is while the playoffs and World Series roll on here in October, 
you're setting out your off-season workouts and your goals for 2019. Do you have any specific goals? I, I mean, do you go to spring training with you know with thought of have a good spring training, maybe make the team out of camp, not even having to get that call, you know, from the AAA level, maybe getting the call out of you know camp and making the team. What are your goals this off season? Um, I mean, ideally, uh, I'd, I'd hopefully like to to get an invite to big league camp. Um, so that that's hopefully the the first goal. Um, and then, yeah, going to camp. Uh, at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do. It's, it's out of my hands. Whether I go up, go down. When I go up, when I go down. Uh, so just going to camp and, and pitch as best as I can. And and whatever happens from there happens. I, I try not to have expectations or or goal or goals that are in essentially unachievable because I have no control over them. All I can control is how hard I go play and uh, how I pitch. So I'm just going to go try to pitch to the best of my ability, and then wherever I go from there, I go from there. I obviously you hope it to be the big team, but um, wherever they see fit and wherever they think I'm, I'm at in the stage of my development, I'll be happy with it. I'll go and, and do the best I can there. Is there anything you've been told to work on specifically in the offseason? Um, yeah, the changeup, obviously. Um, that's the big pitch for me. When I get that, it, it kind of opens doors for lefties and righties. So just continuing to work on that, um, holding runners, um, giving my catchers a chance to throw people out, um, and just keep filling up the zone. That, that's the big thing. Now, do they have a, a throwing program for you during the off season at all set up? Yep, yep. They, they take care of all that, and they send it out and let us know when we should start throwing, how far, and, and all that. Now, do you expect your parents to uh, go and see a lot of games in Syracuse? Yeah, my dad's a nut, so he will. Uh, <laughs> I think my mom's even crazier, though. But uh, they'll they'll probably be at every game they can be at. Justin, thanks so much for your time tonight. We look forward to seeing you at City Field really soon. The interesting thing is, it's so cool because AJ and I have been at this for eleven, twelve years, and there's a lot of guys we've spoken to either right after draft day, and you know, when I get to see him at City Field and have that first interview after the first game, it's it's a very cool moment. We're looking forward to it. We'd love to check in during the season with you about your progress and your journey to the majors as well. Yes, sir. Sounds great. All right. Thanks so much, Justin. We really appreciate it. Thank you again. You got it. Justin Dunn, New York Mets top pitching prospect.